0: today, Jared has already shared, uh, we're going in, in a direction that we've never gone before in Christmas. And we're going to talk about the exact the scripture that Jared shared to us coming from Isaiah chapter 9. Coming from the lips of a prophet about 800 years before Jesus came into this world. And I want you to think about, uh, uh, if you're a mom or a dad, I want you to think for a moment, how did you come about the name of your children? What did you name your children uh, uh, in a moment uh, what you just came up and you had a name for it and and I've known families and we've been acquainted with families that it took them three days and the hospital was saying you've got to give us a name we've got to turn in a birth certificate and you know sometimes it's very difficult uh, to name that child. And then there are those, like our family, we're already planning for another great-grandbaby. The name has already been uh, chosen, and it's Orville Wayne White. I mean, his last name will be changed. It's very difficult to come up with names in our, our family. And here, there's some rules, though. Have, have you ever thought about this? And I'm going to just stir some you to think with me this morning. For example, if your spouse ever dated somebody with a certain name, man, you know that's off-limits. You're never going to recognize that name again, are you? I just chuckle. I, I know I'm hitting a home run. If your parents or your spouse's parents ever did meet somebody they didn't like, and they thought that person was slightly odd or weird or different, that name is off limits too. The whole naming game is, uh, uh, stirs our thoughts. It takes effort. And it's very important because that child's going to wear that name the rest of their life. And, you know, uh, uh, you'll have to think through first names first, and then the middle name usually comes a little easier after you take the first name. And uh, if I had a lot of time, I'd just like to take, walk to the auditorium and ask, how did you come, How did your name uh, come to be a part of your life? What, are you named after somebody out of your life? I was named after an uncle, uh, and then my, my middle name was my dad's name, and so it was... You know, it, it was gathering time uh, back in 41 when my mom and dad allowed me to come into this earth. But, you know, it, it, if you don't spend some time, you may wind up with an unusual name. And then, you know, I saw people suffer for the name that they'd been named all of their life. I'm remembering a, a gentleman, and I don't know how he came to this name other than his family. They must have came up with something very strange when he came to this, word, into this world, but they named him Odd. And all through life, he faced a, a horrible, uh, 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 just a time when people would make fun of him, and they would say, "Here comes odd, isn't he strange?" And he just he wore he he wore that name all of his life. And you know, he he there was times when he processed it real well, and there was times he just it just really made him mad. And one day, he went to the funeral home, and he said, "One day, I'm going to pass away." He said, "I'm going to hand you the information I want on my headstone." He said. I was born on this date and he said you'll have to put the date that I graduate from this earth but he said I want you to give my date and the names of my family but when it comes to my my name I want you to leave that blank and he said I'm you know his thought was I'm going to cancel anybody ever ever being able able to say again isn't that odd when he'd walk up with a group in 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 the school circle they would say here comes odd well He soon passed away, they buried him, and on his headstone, they did as he asked. They didn't put the name, they just put the date he came to this world, the date he left, and there was no name. And as people walked through the cemetery, after he had passed away, they looked at the headstone. The date was there, but there was no name. And here would be the response to that. Isn't that odd? And you know, uh, you... (laughs) that life is just sometimes more complicated than we want it to, to think about. One lady, uh, she shared, she said she had been uh, named, her last name was uh, Man, and uh, for some reason uh, her, her, her folks gave her the name Anita Mann. And, and she suffered all through, I, I'm telling you, kids can be horrible as you're growing up if you don't take the time to name that child with something that people can't make fun of. There's unusual names. One, one name of a person, their daughter's name was Eileen Wright. And and the kids enjoyed calling her Eileen wrong. And she just was made fun of all of her life. And then there was another one named Lois Price. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure when her husband married her and really got acquainted with her, she wasn't the Lois Price that he could ever m- marry. Her upkeep should have been his downfall. <laughs> You know, uh, and then there was another one, lady uh, whose name was Helen, and she married a guy by the name of Raymond Back. And after 10 years of marriage, he said it was true. He had been to Helen back and then some. Well, enough for the names. I've been called that, all, almost that bad and worse. You have to be careful about naming your kids. What we're going to do in this series, though, we're going to look at some names that Jesus had as he as we find an Old Testament prophecy that was given 700 years or approximately that before Jesus came to this earth and a season and a time but there was a turmoil and a lot of fear let me ask you something this morning is there a lot of turmoil going on in our world today You know, I think if our world could just, our leadership, the people we voted in would just get their act together. I don't think that there would be as much turmoil and there there would be as much fear as we're facing. But America is rocking and reeling today because of division. And the Bible says a lot about division. A house that's divided can't stand. And this is the reason I cry out every, every, nearly every Sunday, would you help pray for America? We don't want America to fail. We don't want America to fall. And as you trace history, one of the greatest downfalls or, or signs of a nation that fell was the first thing that happened is a moral decay. And people went into a stage of lawlessness. Have we ever seen lawlessness? People that just don't want to keep the law in America like they did at one time. No respect for one another. All of these signs are the signs that other countries around us have participated in before their nation came to a a fall. So as we are living in this time, we look to the Bible. It's a lamp under our feet and a light to our pathway. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, again, it's recorded, For us: unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And we're going to take the first series this morning, and we're going to talk about the wonderful counselor. Let me ask this question: Have you ever had to go to counseling to hear the truth? Have you ever gone to counseling because there was turmoil in your house, or not because of the house, but because of those that lived in the house? Have you ever gone to counseling and let somebody speak into your life? And have you ever gone into counseling and you heard some things you didn't really want to hear? But this counseling, counselor was reaching out, trying to bring people that were at odds with each other back together. Well, Jesus came to this world, born in a stable, and took upon himself the form of a flesh. And he became uh, uh, the savior of the world. But I want, I want to look at Isaiah, and I want to keep my focus on Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 9. Unto us a child was born. Yes, he was. A son was given. He was the son of the living God and the bible says the government would be upon his shoulder you know america started out on the right course and don't get me wrong i'm not downing america i'd rather live in america than anywhere else in the world i'm still grateful in america but have you ever pulled a coin out and you saw these letters in god we trust many of our early presidents were ministers and they built altars before they took uh the time to make laws and they they they, patrick henry was one of them and he's He realized that without God being in America, America would wind up in the failure area quite often, or quite soon. But he says, give me liberty or give me death. And what he was saying, I want the liberty to serve a living God. I want to make him first place in America. I want America to know there is a God in in heaven who cares, who understands. And and the government was laid upon his shoulder. Isaiah told us uh, before Jesus came to this world. And I'm going to talk about the wonderful counselor we have. This morning, as we look at the title of Jesus' Wonderful Counselor, these two words come up from Hebrew words called peleus. I know I didn't quite get that right, Jared, but that's exactly what I want to say this morning. Pele means beyond our understanding. It means one, too wonderful for words. I wonder sometimes when we mention the name of Jesus if we realize how powerful and how strong. What the name of Jesus carries... The Bible says there's not another name under heaven whereby men can be saved. And yet we pass through seasons like Christmas and we pass through hours in our life and we grow through day and day in and day out and we process life without really mem- remembering that we have a wonderful counselor that's make himself, making himself available to us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, Sherry and I went through a, a stormy time in our marriage and we... We went for counseling, and, and through the counseling the, the, and through a lot of prayer, our differences were resolved. But, you know, I, I, every counselor, when you, uh, before you uh, get involved, they tell you what the price that they're going to charge. There's always a charge. Nothing's fair anymore. Not, nothing's free anymore, is it? There's always a price. Well, Jesus came to this world, and his counseling today is offered to everyone, not only to the the born-again believer, he offers counseling to those uh, that are, are, are entertaining the thought of coming to the Lord. And, and, and the name that Jesus in, in Hebrew means, that name it means beyond our understanding. It's too wonderful for words. And when Isaiah was going to describe the Savior of the world, he didn't have the words to describe it. He had never He, he wasn't going to live long enough to see Jesus come to this world, but he used the word that there's no other words as great as it was to tell how awesome he is. Let me ask you this morning, I wonder if there's the excitement about telling about Jesus coming as there was in Isaiah's day. Isaiah was a prophet of old. He lived in stormy days. He lived in days of turmoil. He lived in days that he didn't enjoy life like you and I. But listen to me. One day a son, he said, will be born into this world. And we're giving him this name. He's a wonderful counselor. God is God of the flesh. And yet he, knows, he cares and he knows exactly who you are. Let me tell you how much he knows about you and I. He knows how many hairs are on our head today. Did you know before he ever created us, he saw our ending and he said, you're worth it and he created us. And he allowed us to come into this world in order to enjoy the things that this world affords. Not only that, but we could... Follow him in our life and that we could be a, lend a helping hand because after thir- 30 years of preparing for a three year ministry, he was crucified on the cross and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days from the grave, he rose from the dead. He showed himself for 40 days, the infallible proof, nail prints in his hand, place in his side where his sword had been A place where the crown of thorns had laced around the forehead of his head. He had the proof that he paid the price at Calvary. And then one day, the book of Acts tells us that he ascended into the heavens. And today, we have his spirit. I've never seen him, but we have his spirit. And the Bible says when his spirit comes into our life, if we'll allow his counseling to reveal to us who we are... We're hopeless without Jesus. We have no hope beyond the veil of tears without a counselor like Jesus. Have you ever said this in the the journey of life, if I only knew what to do? Have you ever did this? I wish I'd never done it. Have you ever done this? If I only had the answer. Well, Jesus is the answer. I love the way that it's described in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, speaking of Jesus. For we do not have, this, is, this explains why we called him, one of the reasons why we called him our wonderful counselor. It says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we want, have one, this is talking about Jesus, who's been tempted in every way that we are tempted, and yet he didn't sin. He was faultless. And Jesus has been through what we're going through. He's been tempted in every way we're tempted. And yet he never gave up. He never sinned. He understands our pain this morning. Maybe you're going through a difficult time in life. He understands your hurt. He's experienced life just like you have. That's why verse 16 says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Listen, we're all needy people. There's times in our life when we we have all lost hope and we wondered if we'd ever find a balance in life if we could ever get it together. Verse 16 says, let us approach. He wants you to know that he's on call 24-7. He wants you to approach him. Lord, I need your help. I need counseling. I, I need you to come into my life and show me exactly what I need to do and forgive me for the wrong that I've done and increase my faith to believe it with you. Nothing is impossible. It's a significant time in our life. The good news is there's no one here but what Jesus wants to help. His name is Wonderful Counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. I want you to keep those two words tied together. He's a wonderful counselor. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that Jesus came for sick people. When Jesus came, he came for those that were in need. In fact, there's an interesting story recorded in Matthew's Gospel. A tax collector, a, a tax collector, uh, called on Jesus one day. How many are friends with the IRS? Let me just let me just see. I, I, there's a few, and then there's a few that want to hold your hand out. Matthew, a tax collector, he came to Jesus one day to be one of his followers. And if you know one thing, uh, uh, that that caused a lot of talk because in those days, tax, the tax collectors were very dishonest. They would size you up, they would charge you what they wanted to do, and if you didn't do it, then you paid the price. But nobody liked Matthew, but Jesus was interested in him. Matthew was excited that he threw a party at his house and invited all of his wild friends to come, all the tax collectors and all the other well-known sinners to come to meet Jesus. I hate to tell you this, but there was a church group of, there, there on that day. They were called religious people and they were highly offended by Jesus' action. Why would Jesus meet and hang out with sinners? These people, they don't even know how to drink their tea. They listen to walled music. They watch R-rated music or <laughs> movies and they say bad words. And Jesus is at Matthew's house having a party. And the Pharisees were just beside themselves. I've often asked in years and years gone by. If I, you ever saw my pickup at the bar, and for years we've had a bar on Main Street. Bars usually do better if they're not on Main Street. Preachers will park away and walk. <laughs> just a joke. The Pharisees were beside themselves. I'm glad our church family today loves the sinner just like they love the Christian. There's just one difference between a sinner and a Christian. The Christians decided to follow Jesus. And the sinner is in about to, to make that decision. Uh, we had a guest here that was a very precious. They were from the Dallas area, and uh, they they did, had an awesome ministry. They were were up in their seventies before they got married, and uh, this lady had been a bartender before she had met Jesus. She stood on the platform with her husband the night for three nights that they were here, and one of those nights we had a baby in the nursery that. Quit breathing. It had turned purple and the mother ran through those doors screaming to the top of her voice. as she came down this aisle and came to the front and she handed this baby to this lady. And she says, my baby's not breathing. And this lady took, her, took the baby by the hand and said, in the name of Jesus, I curse the spirit of death. You've got to go in Jesus' name. And that baby started breathing. A pandemonium broke out in the crowd that night because Jesus had stepped in at a request. And he, had, he, he was a wonderful counselor. Peace flooded this place. You didn't have to ask people to raise their hands. I'm telling you, people were rejoicing because they saw that baby, baby purple when it came to that. Betty will never forget that. It was a granddaughter of Betty Slaughtdowns. And, and it was such a, term, such a great time, and yet there were things happening, you know that just one of the great things would happen is we had only met Charles and Francis Hunter shortly before they came. They were staying in, in uh, Woodward in a, in a hotel, motel. And Sherry and I would go up each evening and pick them up. Well, you would have to have seen them to really appreciate them. But uh, Frances weighed about as much as all the rest of us put together. And so when she would sit down in the back of Sherry's Cadillac, that, that, it just looked like the lights were on high beam as we'd come to church. It was all right. That lady was so full of Jesus that... It justified her size. She could have been twice that size, and we would still have loved her. She'd sit in that, when she'd sit down, the door was closed. She'd said, just a minute, Pastor. God, keep us from them and them from us. Just like she had known me and the way I've driven for all of my life. (laughs) We made it through the three days that they were here. It was an awesome time. But, you know, uh, uh, they gave her a testimony she said, I could tell the, uh, she said, I, I waited on bars for many years. I was the best bartender there was, and she said, I knew the best dirty jokes to tell. And she said, people that came to my bar, the bar knew that I was going to entertain them because I had all the funny, dirty jokes. But when Jesus stepped into her life, she left as a barmaid, and she came into the house of God, and she became one of the greatest evangelists that we ever had. Listen to me. There's just one step between the sinner and the sinner. And the church is not to sidestep the sinner because Jesus died on the cross for them just like he did for me. And you know what? I could be in the gutter today. I could be addicted to drugs. I could be an alcoholic today. I could, I could be locked in prison today. I could, be, I could be far from a follower of Jesus. But one day, I heard him knock upon my heart's door. I never heard a voice, but I certainly heard him in the spirit. And he said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll, I'll be the best counselor you'll ever had. I'll never tell anybody about your dirty linens. If you'll ask me to, I will forgive you of your sins. If you'll ask me to, I'll take your sins and your dirty linen to the deepest ocean and I'll bury them never to remember you, them again. Jesus hung out with Matthew that day. Matthew was so thrilled that Jesus would... No doubt he realized Jesus was on a different frequency than he was. But listen to me. Jesus loved Matthew. And loving Matthew brought Matthew's friends that partied with him to his house. And they met Jesus. The Pharisees, the religious people were beside themselves. They said, why in the world would he hang out with sinners? But you know, Jesus always had an answer no matter what question was asked. And Jesus answered them and said... It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Right, yeah. Today, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. And he said, I've not, I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners to repentance. Did you know that's exactly, if we're Christ followers, you know that's what our life should say to the world today? Right. I haven't come to condemn the world. But I wanted them to see Jesus in my life so that they'll want to be a follower of Jesus too. And you know that person that's not hitting on all eight cylinders, they know they're not. They don't need condemnation. They need, they need love. They need encouragement. They need a life that, to be an example for them. And they, want to, they need a desire to change. And, and today you and I as Christians should live a life so that it would cause people to want to follow Jesus. Not that we're, Not that we're perfect. They're still, can I say this this morning, with the congregation I still love and these, the, the Pharisees don't come to this church. We're not religious people this morning. We're just lovers of Jesus. We're followers of the Lord Jesus. So I'm curious this morning, where are you sick? Where do you hurt? Because truthfully, we're all sick in times of our life. Just because sin is in the world, we all battle our weaknesses and vulnerabilities and strongholds and dysfunction. Where are you sick today? You know, the holidays have ways of magnifying things. They make good things look better and they make bad things look worse. And the holidays often magnify our sicknesses. Let me stir something inside of every one of you this morning. Where are you sick? Where are you hurting this morning that you could use some counseling, knowing that if you counsel with Jesus, he'll never tell your secrets to anyone. You you can tell him anything. you, You can just be flat down, slap dab honest with this counselor. And that opens heaven's treasure chest. So many today are just depressed. They wake up every day wondering how they're going to get through the day and have no hope of tomorrow, whether it's going to get better or for worse heaviness this weight this sense of hopelessness weighs on many people in america this morning others live in fear fear of truth is going to prevail fear that they're going to lose their job fear that something's not going to work out fear that their marriage is going by the wayside fear that their children are going to get in trouble fear grips their heart and it paralyzes all that will allow it to trespass in their life second timothy 1 7 The Bible is like your medicine cabinet. 2 Timothy 1, 7, chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And when you go to the the wonderful counselor, he'll say, Let's deal with the spirit of fear. Fear trespassing in your life. Fear has no right to be in your life. Jesus is Lord of your life. We command fear to leave in. You know, every evil spirit has to fail and fall and run at the name of Jesus. Right. Right. You know why? Because there's not another name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. That name, Jesus. So many people again—they're depressed. They wake up every morning wishing they had the answer, wishing that what was going on was just a bad dream. And you know, it's just a—we're li- living in a world that's upside down today. And what's happened yesterday may not be working today. Some are so stressed looking at their to-do list and thinking, how can I ever get it done? How can I shop for everybody? I've got family coming over. The house has to be perfect. The meals did to be just so and so. And you stress so much that you're full of anxiety. I've noticed at our house, Sherry can work two to three days for a one-hour enjoyment. And everything she's worked for two or three days doesn't look good after that hour. And we start having, we start having unusual thoughts. I wonder if the dogs would eat what was left. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you: after about two or three days of leftovers, I'm ready to hit say hit the road, Jack. I don't want no more of you. Jesus says. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We've even had this thought come up in our house. Sherry is an awesome, awesome cook. Her mother was, if Jesus had a sister, Sherry's mother was that sister. Her name was Olive Eileen Unwin. Eileen. She would lean over to make friends with anybody. She would lean over to make sure that you, everything was, you were treated well at her house. She, she, and yet, you know, we were we brought up in, under the age of, of uh, cartoons, and, and, you know, uh, anybody besides me remember Papa and Olive? Now and then, she would take a, a, some harassing from her own family about her name. Never moved Mom. Before you ever partake, would partake at her house, she'd say, let's pray. And I'm telling you, when Mama and one prayed... You knew she had touched the Lord. One day uh, in Jesus' life, the story's recorded in John chapter 4 about a woman who wanted to be loved and accepted. She she said, if I could just find the right person in life, we'll have meaning. And unfortunately, she went from one man to another man to another man and went through several men and then ended up giving up on marriage and actually, actually shacking up with a man. One day at the well, she met a guy named Jesus. And Jesus began with a question. As he talked to her, he asked a question. And she could have told the truth in a conversation that could have continued. Or she could have done what some people would have done. She could have lied about her relationship with this man. Jesus, after he had after he had, quizzed her, she, he asked, said go get your husband I want to talk to him again she could have lied she could have said well he's working today or he's out of town today or he's he's down to shop he doesn't have time I I just came to the well uh, today to get drinking water for our house my husband uh, is just unavailable but she says "Uh, I have no husband and Jesus says you're right you've been married five times and the lady, the man that you're living with is not your husband. And Jesus says, as he addressed this story, and he revealed to the truth, the lady didn't tell him that he, she, she had been married five times. The lady didn't tell Jesus that she was shacking up with an individual she, it wasn't her husband. But she was honest with Jesus. Jesus said, I am what you've been searching for your entire life. It's not the man that you were looking for. It's not the five husbands that could satisfy the longing desire. It's not the individual that you're living with today. But I am what you've been searching for. And Jesus was able to reveal who He was and what He should be in her life because she was brutally honest. How many know, knows what brutality is? There's ways, more ways than one, of being brutally honest. You can, you know when somebody gives you a piece of their mind, that's being brutally honest. The Bible says, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. This lady was brutally honest. She said, I'm not married. Jesus said, you're right. And he unveiled to her what the truth was about her life. There may be some of you here today, and you're in a scary sort of a way unwilling to be brutally honest with what's going on in your life. You know, I prayed and prayed about some things that were very important to me in my life. And some things that happened and some things didn't happen. But I always found out the wonderful counselor could always bring peace when things didn't go the way that I wanted them to go. When things that I'd prayed for and I'd sought the Lord for, and at the time I thought I had the answer, and then one day things went the wrong direction. He was there. He was a wonderful counselor. When I'd worked as hard as I could work, and I'd told as long as I could toll, and it just seemed like what I was doing didn't work. And I couldn't put title over what I was doing with the title called success. It was a wonderful counselor that came to my life. And he says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. If your marriage isn't working, let me be the counselor. Let me put the joy in your life. Let me show you the things that, that nobody else is going to show you. And I'll, I'll show you great and mighty things. Jeremiah, in the, book, in the 33rd chapter, I was reading in Jeremiah this past week. Jeremiah was a great prophet of God, yet he's gone to jail twice. And in the jail cell, God speaks to him the second time. As I read that, it said, and and God came to Jeremiah and he spoke to him the second time while he was in prison. Let me ask you this morning, are you in a prison and you just don't want anybody to know? Are you in a prison? Maybe there's something that's got a hold of your life and you can't get rid of it. And yet you just don't want the world to know. Some might need to be very honest about your marriage if god doesn 't do something or if there 's not a significant change soon we 're in big big trouble it 's just time to be honest. Some might say i 've got to come clean and be open about this i 'm hooked on something it 's got it 's got bigger than I am and i 'm not able to overcome it i 'm addicted to this you know today, and then when we want to be honest with with somebody with, then all, all, all at once a flashcard comes. Can I p- trust that person? One of the weakest chains in our Christian society is today that it's real hard to find somebody that you can just trust anymore. Even in the realms of ministry, you can share something with a, a minister that you have a lot of confidence in and by the time it gets back to you, it's not even what you said to him. Listen, I found one thing I can get on my knees, and I can call out the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm in trouble. I'm in over my head. I know I'm not perfect, but I need some help. And your word says you're a present help in time of need. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, If I call on you, you'll answer me, and you'll show me great and mighty things. Lord, I don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore. Even in the ministry, God, you've got to help me. And in his awesome infallible way. He floods my life with joy that's unspeakable. He gives an anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring my heart and my spirit back together. And I can say, in God, I'm going to trust I had a call just a few days ago from a lady who's lost her husband. He was in the ministry, been in the ministry most of their life, and her son is going to prison, and he's, he can't make it without pharmaceutical drugs. He, he has uh, epilepsy problems, and, and they're taking to a prison where, where they don't offer the medication, and his life is short without God intervening in his behalf. She cried out, she said, I don't even know whether there's a God or not. I don't even know whether he's even real or not. And she sat on the first pew of the, in, in the sanctuary where I watched her husband time and time again, again preach the love of Jesus. And I saw sinners come to the front and invite Jesus into their life. But all of a sudden, she's locked in a prison. And it doesn't seem like there's any key that can open the door where she's at. And she's crying out, oh, God. And I call her by name. I said, you've got to remember, he's still the one who said I'm able to do exceeding, abundantly and above all that you're able to think of. His name is Jesus. His name is the wonderful counselor. And I prayed after I hung the phone up. I prayed, oh, Father, may the counsel of the Holy Spirit pick up the broken pieces of that mother's life today. Her husband's gone. Her children have all moved away except the one who's in a lot of trouble. I thought, God, you're the prince of peace this morning. Rain down upon this precious lady in the midst of a world that she doesn't even think makes sense. And oftentimes which Christians think that we're exempt from such times. Peter, one of the greatest followers that Jesus had, was boasting one day about the goodness of God. And God said, well, there'll be a day when you'll, you'll betray me. And he said, God, I'll never betray you. And you just follow his life right along. I mean, he followed Jesus in the flesh, not in the spirit. And Jesus gave him the road map. He said, this is the time that you'll, you'll betray me. He didn't only betray him, he swore he never knew Jesus. Listen to me, our lives are fragile this morning. The only glue that can put us together is a gluing power of salvation and the presence of the Holy Spirit that will bind us together and carry us through the storms. We have a song that we sing many times, Keep me safe, Lord, till a storm passes by. I never want you to realize, never want you to fail to realize that you have a counselor that's on call 24-7. You can call him at the midnight hour. You can call him no matter where you're at. And he always will answer, probably not in an audible voice. I love gospel music. Kara, you did a great job this morning, Tori. I enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed southern gospel music because gospel music carries a message. Did you know we traveled about eight years in southern gospel music, and very seldom did we leave a a church without people coming forward and accepting Jesus because they'd accepted the message and song. And at the close of the service, we'd give an invitation. There was one month we came home, and we had over 30 people came forward for salvation during our tour. And we came home with less than enough money in our pocket to pay our bills. Let me say this this morning. When you can say thank you, Jesus, when you're at the bottom of the pit, you're on the right track. When you can say, thank you, Jesus, not for what's coming. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things were together for good to those that love the Lord to all are called according to his purpose. But when your world has fallen apart by faith, feelings are fickle. Our, our feelings lie to us. But God's word is always true. And God's word will never return void. He didn't say that he would keep us from the pit. He just said, I'll, I'll go to the pit with you. I'll comfort your heart. I'll counsel with you in those times. And so we've got to remember today, we've got to remember, we've got to be honest with the Lord. Second thing I'm going to to finish in just a moment, we must learn about the counselor's voice. Look at God's advice to his disciples in Mark chapter 9. You've got to listen. He counseled. He gave strict orders. He gave things for his his, uh, disciples to do. He gave them Strength to do it as he gave them direction to do what he called them to do. But they had to listen to the master. Did you know this morning the Lord is speaking to all of us? He's speaking to all of us this morning. We've got to learn to listen to the counselor's voice. In fact, God's advice to his disciples. He took three disciples up on the mountain and and God did an incredible miracle. Transfigured Jesus into glow-in-the-darkest time of their life. And he became a shiny, beautiful creature. Then Moses and Elijah appeared. Never before had the three disciples ever seen what they were seeing. They were awed at what was happening. And here's what God said in Mark chapter 9, verse 7. A voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son in whom I love. Listen to him. And I'm going to move down to my third point, and then I'm closing. The third thing you and I must remember, we must do what the counselor tells us to do. Sometimes it's backtracking and making things right. Sometimes it's accepting the responsibility of something we've done that didn't turn out right. And when he, when, when he tells us something, he's going to help us accomplish what, he's, what he has asked us to do. When, when he speaks, we must do what he tells us to do, even if we don't feel like it. If we don't understand, truthfully, Jesus will ask us to do many things that don't make sense to our natural mind. There's a great example of a guy who, who, who went to the wonderful counselor one day. And, and he said, Father, this man was rich. He had everything. He said, Father, I've, done, I've, kept, all the, I've kept all the law. I've done everything the way I'm supposed to do. I've, I've, I've kept you first and foremost in my life. I've, I've honored you. I've, I've done everything that the law requires. But Jesus looked beyond his testimony and he said, yes, you have, but one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have. This man was known by the house that he lived in, by the car that he, that he drove. He was, he was what the world would call, would call today a self-made man. They wouldn't give the Lord the credit for what this man's success. They would give it to him. This man, everything he touched turned to money. But Jesus looked beyond the words of his testimony. He said, there's only one thing in your life that I, that I see that you need to do. Sell all you have. And come follow me. And the Bible says the man fell, his face dropped. And he went away sorrowful because he was rich in goods. Listen, God could have restored to him a hundredfold if he had been willing. He just wasn't willing to take that. It was just too big of a sacrifice for him to obey. But in following Jesus, you've got to develop an ear to hear. We all miss listening to the Lord. There's times when I knew he spoke and I didn't obey, but he never marked my name out of the book of life. He's given me other opportunities. Pastor Jared's going to come, and as we close the service this morning, we're going to have communion. I'm about, I've borrowed a few minutes of your time past 12, but listen to me. God's speaking today, and let me just ask you this question. What's he saying to you? Well, I just don't hear anything, Pastor. Well, if you'll cultivate an ear to hear, your spirit has ears to hear. If you don't believe it go to the book of revelation and he speaks to seven churches and he ends what he has to say with these words he that hath an ear to hear let him hear what the spirit is saying and jerry's going to give us an, an opportunity to be blessed by something that happened just a few days ago and obedience to god's command and i want you to listen to his testimony as he comes to close the service today
1: Well uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do this real quick. I Many of you know I like to eat and um, last Sunday night I, I try to eat every day. It just helps me become the man I am and last Sunday night uh, I went to Subway and I was there in Subway and and uh, I was the only person in the store at that time. There wasn't anyone else from me and the people that worked there and this man come in this gentleman he come in and he was in the line behind me and I'd ordered my sandwich and and um, I was fixing to pay for my sandwich, and something just said, "Pay for his too." And I looked at him, and he—you tell he just got off work. You tell he—you uh, tell he's kind of a kind of old field type of guy. You know, he just just, just a big burly man, and just you know looked, looked like an old-filled guy. And I thought, man, that'd be kind of weird. I don't want to. I don't know. You know, I, and I talked myself out of it. I talked myself out, I thought he might think I'm strange, you know, a man buying another man's dinner, that's kind. Of, that's a date and we don't do that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I come up with excuses in my head, come on somebody, and so uh, I just, I, I passed it up and I said, nah, I'm, I, he's good, he's good, and that night I went to bed and that, uh, I think it was Tuesday night. Tuesday night, uh, Saturday, so Sunday night, Tuesday night rolls around, and I go to the grocery store, because <laughs> what else would I do on Tuesday night, and so I go to the grocery store, and I'm walking around the grocery store, and I'd never seen this man in my life at all, until Subway, and I, I'm walking around the grocery store there at Ceiling, and I'll turn the corner, and there he is, and I'm like, <laughs> isn't this funny, and, um, at that time, their credit card machines were down. They, the internet was down, so they couldn't take any credit card. And They had told me when I come in, hey, we need cash or checks. So I would called Jenny and told Jenny, hey, you need to come down to the grocery store because I need cash or check, and, and I'm hungry. And You better get down here. And so she comes down, and she brings me the checkbook. And, and I, I see this guy, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I see him again. Never seen him in my life before. And I'm up uh, getting ready to pay for my stuff, and he gets in line right behind me. And, and that same voice that said, buy his lunch at Subway, or buy his supper at Subway, is the same voice that said, you're going to pay for his groceries. I should have bought his stuff at Subway. <laughs> Can I just be honest? I'd have got by a lot cheaper. And I'm sitting there, and I look at him, and, and they tell him, they say, hey, do you, do you have cash or check because you know, we don't take cards. And he said, you don't take cards? And they're like, no, our credit card machine's down. He's like, well, I, I don't know what to do then. And I said, no, I, I want your, I want his on, on my bill. And the cashier just kind of looked at me, and he just kind of looked at me and he said, no, that's fine. I said, no, for reals. I said, do you remember running into me Sunday night? He said, yeah, Subway. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> And I introduced myself, and I told him, I said, hey, I'm the youth pastor at Elm Grove. And I said, Sunday night, God impressed up on my heart to buy your, 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 your sandwich and your chips and all that stuff, and I didn't. And I said, now here you are again. I've never seen you in my life. And now here you are again, right behind me at the grocery store with this basket full of groceries. And that same Holy Spirit saying, take care of you one more time. And I said, I'm not going to get away tonight without doing what he says to do and so uh, I did I introduced myself he introduced himself and and he works out at Gores he knows Todd we shot, swapped swap stories on Todd so we'll come talk to you later but uh uh it's just when when you miss it when you miss it and we all miss it when you miss it keep your eyes open because God will bring you around the mountain again okay don't live in that guilt and that shame Keep your eyes open, and God will bring that same, that situation. Because until you get it right, you're not going to get the blessing for it. Keep your eyes open. Amen? Amen. And if you do it the first time, it's a whole lot cheaper. Okay? Just let me say that. It's a whole lot cheaper. Stand your feet with me this morning. Ask the ushers if they would go ahead and make their way forward as we prepare uh, to take communion this morning if you need to slip out you got things you need to get to we, we understand but um, to this morning as we worship the Lord with communion as we remember what he who he is and what he's done for our life uh, uh, this is open it's open to anybody and everybody as long as you're a member of the body of Christ as long as you've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart you don't have to be a member of Elm Grove you don't have to be a member of the assembly of God you just got to have Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. And so if you've made that decision to follow him, we invite you to do that. If you haven't made that decision, let me lead you in this prayer. Let me lead you in this moment, in this opportunity. Because the Bible says, don't, don't partake of this if you don't know him. Don't partake of this. And it is very, very serious about it. And so there's many of us who will partake of this and we we know we got shortcomings and we got weaknesses and we got struggles. He's not talking about that. He's saying, hey, if if you don't know me, if you've never made me the Lord of your life, why don't you make that commitment first? Because before you can remember me through this, you've got to know me in that. And so this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to lead you in a prayer this morning. I want everyone in this place to repeat this prayer after me. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, don't let these be words that just flow from our, from our mouth. Let these be words that flow from your heart. And again, it's not about getting the words right, it's about getting your heart right. And that's what this moment's about. And so this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit's drawing you, saying, hey, it's time to come home. Well, we invite you. We invite you to join us in this prayer as you come home to the Father's arms today. Everyone in this place, say, Dear Lord. I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. I cannot save myself. So today, I turn my life completely over to you. Come into my heart. Wash away my sin. Forgive me of all my wrong, And make me brand new. I believe you are the only Son of God. And so today, I give my life to you to take me, use me, and make me into your good and pleasing, perfect will. I ask you this today in Jesus' name. Amen.